This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Yeah, hello. Oh, hey, true crime Kent. Uh, hey, what uh, what are you into right now? Oh, what's up, Pop? Uh, not much, man. Me and the wife are we're thinking about going down to the flea market later and looking for some of those camouflage. Uh, hey, cool, cool. Yeah, that's nice. Any new stories? You know, if you ask me what I'm doing and then I start to respond and then you interrupt, it just kind of feels like you didn't care. In the never mind, man. You know what? You brought up Diallo's past yesterday, and I did some reading. You want to get into that? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you want it. They were Russian, after all, and I'm, you know, what I am, so, so yeah. Yeah, what What are you? You know what? It doesn't matter. This conversation is going to flow a little bit differently than how we usually do things here, for anybody that may be listening, but it's interesting nonetheless. What? <laughs> why, would any, why would anyone be listening? Recording has initiated. I don't know why. Why would they? <clears throat> well, so this Diot loves past stuff is it's crazy, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Let me get comfortable. All right, let's dig in. All right, Op. So we usually, you know, we'll we'll just get right into to the. To the birth and then the upbringing and the yada 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 of whoever it is we're talking about, right? Right, right. Well, this is gonna this is gonna flow a little bit differently because we're not talking about one death, we're not talking about two deaths or three deaths. We're talking about nine big whopping deaths. Wow, that's a big number. It's bigger than yeah, normal. Two, one. Yeah, and just for you know time saving reasons, these these nine victims of this uh, this terrible tragedy, their their childhoods and their upbringings and everything just. Um, it's not important. So basically, it was it, we just should pretend like they were jettisoned from the sky to Earth as full-grown adults, circumcised and the whole nine yards. Yes, and nothing, nothing before their death happened. Okay, right. They didn't. They didn't have families that loved them. No. Um, they weren't at one point children with dreams and aspirations. Never. Um, they they were just a, a blank, generic adults. Well, then again, they were. Uh, Russian communist, so sort of. Hey, that's fair enough. That's fair. <laughs> Just saying. Well, let's get into the setting here, then. So this is this is going to take place in 1959. It's the Soviet Union, you know, what is now Russia, uh, which turned to Russia in 1991. 90, 1991. That's a fun history fact for you. Oh, 1991 is when that, that's when it that's when it all fell down. Hey, fun fact to know and share about 1959. You want to know something? I do. Okay, uh, 1959 is the last year of the wheat cent penny. You know, I gotta ask when we were talking when we were talking about Tanzler last week. Yes, you also brought up coin collector facts. Yeah, why do you know this? I just because I collected coins as a kid. My mom said, "Do you want friends? Do you want to collect coins?" I was like, "Obviously, duh, coins." Obviously, 
Yeah, I, I played Mortal Kombat, but I guess coins coins are a lot of fun too. They they never let you down. They're well rounded. You know, you can sell them. You can't sell a friend. You could sell a coin. <laughs> that, that's a good point. You, you make a lot of good points. <laughs> okay, fine. You undressed my my reasoning. It's because friends have less monetary value. That is okay. Fine, I said it. Yeah, coins can't leave you. Exactly. <laughs> Unless it's 1959 and it's the last wheat penny. <laughs> yeah, I, I just brought a lot of pain up in your eyes. I'm sorry. I should have said that. It's all right. I just need a minute to walk it off. Why don't you go ahead with your story? I'll. Uh... Okay, okay. It's 1959. This, this is the height of the Cold War, right? We're talking 1959, two years after Russians launched the Sputnik and started the Space Age. Pretty exciting times everywhere but Russia where the Space Age started. And it's a, you know, pretty, pretty average Russian setting. It's cold. It's miserable. It's poor. It's black and white. <laughs> if a documentary were made here, it would just look like Schindler's List. But in Russia, not Germany. Just good old normal, please kill me misery, you know. Yes. Cold, poor, hungry. Yum. Right? Love it. Now, this is not a place where, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos is, would be buying a vacation home if they were as wealthy as they are now in 1959 kind of place that makes hard people really really hard the kind of people that could like go out and slay an elk with an empty dorito bag and then gut it and clean it with the end of their erection despite the sub-zero temperatures and then eat it uncooked while fist fighting a grizzly bear and impregnating a yeti that is it that those kind of people that is really hard yeah i've never been that hard no wow these are hard people hard people even the women get that hard, which we'll actually get into here in a little bit. Everyone is unhappy. Everyone wants to die. But everyone is unfortunately too resilient, stubborn, and hard to die. It's like a curse and a gift at the same time. <laughs> this really sucks for them. This gift of invincibility that they've been given. Just a curse. Why can't I die? Yeah, they just like literally go out and like freeze parts of their body hoping that they'll just die and they're like dang it now i just lost a digit so we're talking just good old-fashioned down-home communist country you know just real bread and butter communism here <laughs> now speaking of hard people and and extracurricular activities of of russia at the soviet union right now at the time uh, what kind of extracurricular activities do you think they were doing at this time up in russia okay let's see crying 1959 what were we doing in america 1959 in America, we were, you know, just getting rid of the wheat penny. Soda shops were big. We loved soda. Yeah. The doo-wop was a thing, I think. Doo-wop. Is that the poodle dresses? Oh, yeah. Poodle dresses. Uh, girls rolled their socks down. I don't know why they did that. Like those donuts around their ankles. Also, every car had uh, prehensile fins or talons somewhere on the body of the car all of them did what a time it was in america right just really? beautiful what a beautiful time for america just excess yeah. yeah excessive everything the only thing that i would say that i'm critical where 59 gets a finger wag is pointy boobs i don't understand the pointy boob bras why just not attractive. Was that built into the into the was that a bra thing? Yeah. I always just thought that women in the 50s had pointy tits. Yeah, like just because of like World War II sharpened their their areolas or something. No, yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't know radiation. You know, nuclear weapons, yeah. whatever. I, I didn't know if it was fallout, but some kind of just gave everybody pointy pointy tits. Yeah, I mean, as best to my memory, 
it was the brassiere. Oh, okay. Style and fashion. Fit and cut. They weren't into lifting and separating at that time. They were more like poke you in the eye. So America's having a blast. We're going to drive-ins. We're doo-wopping and, you know, screaming racial slurs at people that didn't do anything to anybody. Right. And just We're having fun. We're having lots of fun. We're just, we're having a good time, you know. This is good American fun. And, uh, and meanwhile, over in Russia, what they were doing for fun, what they were doing for vacations, what they were doing in their free time, what they were doing to, you know, relax. They called their vacations active rest. And they took vacations in the form of what was called sports tourism. Uh. And that, that happened in the form of what is mountaineering, which is the art of going up a mountain. Oh. In, in layman's terms. Is that what that means? <laughs> I, I've always wondered. Every time I hear mountaineering, I'm like, I don't know what's happening at all. Now you cleared that up. Yeah, you just, you, you start out at the bottom of the mountain, and then you do what you can to not be at the bottom of the mountain anymore but instead be at the pinnacle of the mountain. I see. Well. And as, and you can't use a helicopter. Oh, you can. Cannot or can use one. You can't. That's not mountaineering. That's riding a helicopter to the top of a mountain. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So mountaineering and then orienteering, which is just a big stupid word for land navigation. Orienteering. So doing what we do naturally Every moment of our life, moving from one place to another, around objects, through objects. Right, but but instead using a compass and a map uh-huh. and going over large, large portions of terrain. And okay. there's no signs. It's just out in the wilderness, right? Ooh, that's, that's... Actually, I've done that one time. There was a place where I hiked one time in the wilderness river of no return. It was a nightmare. Well, that sounds like a place you should be. We're going to find out later. Apparently, you, you're not as cautious. You're just as cautious as our non-dead <laughs> hawkers here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I fit right in there. The, the, this is the kind of place where the trail disappears, and you go from stack of rocks to stack of rocks called cairns. That's how you know where to go. So, like, you get to the stack of rocks, and you look around to find the next stack of rocks— that's where you go. Otherwise, isn't that called geocaching? No, geocaching would be like where you're going to latitude, longitude positions, finding hidden things. Like like coins? Yeah, that's how I found all my friends. Yep. Okay. So they're mountaineering, they're orienteering, they're... they're Active resting. And this was big uh, amongst college students, which is going to be important here in just a second. So this was common for Russian students and Russian youth in general. Uh, they had a big, fancy classification system to, that, that gave you bragging rights on how good you were at walking in snow and being hungry. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like an accomplishment. It was a uh, system that went from certificate one to three, and uh, and then all these various routes were graded on their difficulty, which was judged on its length, its difficulty, and its terrain. Wow. So that's why people are people are going and hiking, in it. and you need to know that. Why would nine people just stumble off into the wilderness in negative twenty two degree temperatures and three foot of snow in the first place? Right. Well, now you know. Exactly. I was like, what What is the motivation for doing this di- terrible thing? There must be a certificate involved. They the, and, and you know what the craziest part is? 
There's not even a physical copy of the certificate. It's it's basically just bragging rights. That's all it is. <laughs> so you get back and there's just some guy in a military outfit and he just goes, "Oh, good job." Exactly. And then you're at a you're at a bar in Key West, Florida, a year later, and you're like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a certificate three hacker in Russia." And Carl Tanzer's like, "Yeah, me too." Yeah, me too. I have six Russian hikers under my castle. No, you're not. There's not even a certificate six. Yeah, there is. I, I'm the only one to achieve it. I have made it. I created it out of paper mache. Would you like to meet my wife? <laughs> so all of our, all of our students. These these are all college students that vary in age between twenty and the oldest was thirty eight. He was in college. No, he wasn't in college. There's so we have nine hikers total. Well, actually ten hikers total, but one of them ends up being a bitch. <laughs> and he and he backs out. And in Russia, a bitch just means you can't take twelve bullets to the face and then go <laughs> chug a fifth of vodka and walk it off. I was gonna say, in this case, being a bitch in Russia means you survive. What? You not die? Uh, Actually, in order to in order to get your grade three, you had to die. Uh, last week, so close to finishing, I almost died, but failed. Accidentally killed the yeti. So we have eight students, we have eight students, eight college students, and and one old, hardcore World War II veteran. You want to get into these into these little young buckaroos and this one old buckaroo real quick? Let's buckaroo. So all of them were students of the Yuri Polytechnical Institute in Russia, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of this. Every picture you see of this place looks like Transylvania. It is horrifying. It's like you try to catch a clear picture of this place, and it just goes blurry. Like the place does. Like like it doesn't even exist. It's just a ghost. You're going to school at Hogwarts. The building itself like. does not like to be photographed, so it's just like dodging all the time. Stop taking picture of me. To to get to this school you had to get on platform six and sixty six quarters. <laughs> oh man. Good old Harry Potter jokes. You can't Good beat them. old Satan Potter. Yeah, I read Harry Potter. What of it? Me too, while I was collecting coins. So although not all of them are students. Seven of them, or eight of them are students. All nine of them are grade twos. I'm so confused. So they're trying to... They're <laughs> no, get, I, I get it. They're, they're grade two. They've got they've got their grade two certification in, in hiking and being and walking long distances in snow. Okay. Such an accomplishment. And they're going for their grade three. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I can hike really further than I could last time. And I can go in a lot more circles. Winding, meandering. And I can carry more weight. When they do this, their backpacks are just full of rocks the whole time. Yeah, but rocks so they can eat them because they're Russian. (laughs) That's the only thing. (laughs) That's all you allowed. Hey, pass me, pass me some more of that sadness. I'd like to put some more on my rocks. Too many calories. I feel like I ate a boulder. You did, Yuri. So they're all students at the Yuri Polytechnical Institute. Uh, We'll start off with Young Igor Dyatlov, who was 23 years old, a radio engineering student born on January 13th, 1936. He is the, like I said, he's the leader of this hiking expedition. So all of them are, are very experienced hikers. Young Igor Dyatlov here, he's, he's going to be leading them on their on their expedition, is, is what they call it. Which an expedition in my head, in my head, an expedition means you're going to discover something. Yes, right. Yeah, me too. Right. Even, but everybody's been here. That's grade three. Yeah, good but, point. But you're just like if I go to Walmart, that's not expedition. 
<laughs> yeah. If I go into the feminine products aisle at Walmart, that's an expedition for sure. For you, definitely. For for men, maybe. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Igor Dialov, he's 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 a very wise young man. He's an a talented engineer. He he at one point designed and assembled a radio which was in his second year. And that was used during Hawks, the radio that he designed in 1956, deep in the Cyan Mountains. And he also designed a small stove, and uh, they were actually using that on this famed unfortunate Hawk, which we'll get into later because it, it actually comes up in one of the conspiracy theories surrounding this. When you invent something in Russia and you're only a grade two, is it... They call it inventing it after a grade three person made it and you just take it apart and put it back together and then you've invented a radio. You got it. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Certificates. You get it. Everybody described him as a Igor as a thoughtful man who never rushed with his decisions. In 59, they called it courting, which uh, in modern terms means dating a young Zina Komogorova, who was also part of part of this hike. So he's going on a vacation with his ex, which just sounds miserable to me. I mean, the whole this everything about this sounds miserable, but he's doing all this with his ex girlfriend. So he's not scared of his ex, huh? So he's in this case, he's not xenophobic. <laughs> hmm. So that's Igor Dyatlov, twenty three years old and leading this charge. We'll follow. Follow Igor up with young Yuri Doroshenko, who was 21, born January 29th, 1938, uh, radio engineering student, impulsive personality. Everybody loved him at the school, famous at the hiking club for, at one point in his life, ran at a giant bear during, bear during one of the hikes with a hammer and screaming at it and scared it off. That's how he got his... So like, that's Yuri. That's how he got his first certificate. That Doroshenko, he's 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 kind of pussy. He now even killed the bear with the hammer. He had a hammer. You don't need hammer to kill bear. Take his certificates <laughs> away. <laughs> Yuri Doroshenko seems like a good bloke, though. Just a good old good old feller. Why does why do all their names sound like a racquetball bouncing around a racquetball court? Yuri Doroshenko. What? Yeah. It does, I, but I, there's something about the Russian language that I love, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful, and it's um, it, it, it like the 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 accent, the way that their palate is formed in their mouth when they speak. It's it's actually pretty relaxing. Yeah, and and I like it almost as much as I like the German language. Like uh, when Hitler's delivering his speeches, there's something about the anger and the emotion in the German language where I'm like, "Where are they at? Let's get them!" Yeah. Right. Like, where's Hitler at? Let's get Hitler, right? That's what you meant? That's what I meant, yeah. We're, I'd like to... Yeah, let's kill Hitler. Let's kill that guy. He speaks so good. <laughs> There's some languages where, like, I have a hard time with it. Uh, like, Norwegian languages. They all sound like, uh... Eh, I don't have any. <laughs> so, so, next up, we have our first female of the group. Her name is... Layudmila Dubanini, 20 years old. She's the youngest of the group, uh, born May 12, 1938, third-year student at UPI University. Uh, she's an engineering and economics major and, uh, like I said, the youngest of the Diatlov group. She's athletic and strong. 
And she's also a very dedicated and outspoken communist. Now, Lyudmila, she's the blonde-haired one, right? This is... Well, all the pictures are black and white, so I can't be certain what color their hair was. She does look blonde, yes, if I had to guess. Okay, so she's the lighter gray-haired lady. <laughs> yes, yes. Even all though right. she's 20, everybody in Russia is born with gray hair. That's right. Strong as ox, she is. These colors aren't even black and white. These are color photos. <laughs> Just what they look like. Just the way they look. Funny thing would be if, like, you know, we think we invented color TV, and they're like, we had color TV. 1900. Had it. Yeah. We've had it all along. <laughs> Wait, that's just how you guys look? Yes. It's, we look grayscale. Color is for pussy. Color means weakness. Except red. Here's a little fun fact about Miss Little Dubanini, Dubanina here. Uh, during one expedition, during one of her, one of her, her sports tourism trips up in the Eastern Cyan Mountains, she was accidentally shot by another by another tourist who was cleaning his rifle. Oh, oh it gets it, it gets it gets crazy. It gets crazy. She just kind of deals with the injury. She's like, I do not want to. I don't want to be a pain in anybody's ass. Yeah. So she just <laughs> doesn't complain until they're like, no, you have to get medical attention. No, I would finish hike. <laughs> no, no. No, no, lady. You're going to die. Yeah, I just do not want to be, don't, do not want to be trouble. You know, like, <laughs> I'm strong as ox. Well, you look like an ox, too. She wants to finish the hike, but they make her get transportation back. It's It's mentioned that she never complained once. But felt sorry for causing the group problems. Yeah. These women are hard as nails. This Dang. lady could rape you with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't and by that op, I don't mean that I would rape you and she would help me. Or or that you would rape me and she would help you. I mean that she could force me to rape you. She could rape two people at the same time without taking her clothes off. That's how badass these, these women are. Well, looking at her, I would say I I would probably, that would be the only way that that would ever happen with Lyudmila, is she'd have to force me. You know, she's got that, got that trailer park mouth, but... Yeah, that, that, I brushed <laughs> my teeth three days ago mouth. I don't know if you heard my accent, but that's right up my alley. I mean, aside from the teeth, she's a pretty girl. Yeah. Pretty, think about what she's been through. She was raised by wolves. Raised by wolves, shot. I made that up. I made that up. Maybe. I feel bad about that. I made that up. I might not have. I could be spitting facts here. Yeah. So, moving up next, we got Yuri Kravashenko. Now, there were three Yuris on this trip. You got Yuri Doroshenko, Yuri Kravashenko, and then you also have Yuri Yudin, who is a very um, unimportant in this story because he ends up, like I said, bitching out and, and not being able to go on the hike. You know what Yudin means, right? What? what Yudin? No, what does that mean? I know, oh, that's from Street Fighter, isn't it? Where he's well, like, you then. <laughs> right before he spits a ball at you. Yeah. You then. You then. You then in German is Jew. God, I couldn't stand Hitler. Um, yeah. Well, it's like they say. It's like, you know, they don't say, oh, that Hitler, he was a good painter. You know, no, you don't. You 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 focus on the the biggest, brightest problem or or beauty in the person, and you know, his speech writing was second secondary to his uh, his mass killing. Uh, anyways, back to Yuri Kravonashenko. He's twenty three years old. He was born on February seventh, nineteen thirty five. 
studying construction and hydraulics at UPI University and graduated in 1959. Now, Yuri was kind of the the clown of the group. He was the the Bill Hicks of the group, the <laughs> the fun guy, you know, the energetic jester, the 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 Patton Oswald, if you will, the Gary Busey. <laughs> You're pulling out a lot of the Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> that last one didn't feel accurate, but. He wasn't trying to sell candles that smelled like his vagina, but he was always looking to like amuse people with, amuse his friends with jokes, and he also played the mandolin. The mandolin, a very important instrument in the Russia at the time, and everybody knew how to play it because it was cheap, and it was the only thing that could break the, the roaring, blaring noise of misery. Right. Of course. So we've got Yuri Kravashenko here we just talked about. Next up, we got Alexander Kolovod. I'm sorry. These these Russian names are hard. Alexander, 24-year-old Alexander Kolivatov. Hold on. Before you start, hey, I have a hydraulic joke for you. Oh, God. Okay. Let's do it. So the manager comes to the, the employees and says, guys, we need stop testing on animals. And the supervisor says, but shampoo companies have been doing it for years. And the manager says, yeah. But we make hydraulic presses. <laughs> so Alexander Kolovatov, he was a nuclear physics. He was a nuclear physics student. He was a fourth year student as a physics major at the UPI University. He then moved to Moscow in Russia for reasons that we'll go into later. Not important. Not important right now. Actually, it is kind of important right now, but we're not going to get into it right now because it would it would it would blow a, a future load too soon. If that makes sense. Being a hydraulic major, you want to make sure you, you know, keep your gasket in your pants. Uh, he was considered to be a cautious and, and studious person who enjoyed smoking antique pops. Just sounds like a, a fun grandpa. A fun guy to be around because other words that described him were diligent, pedantic, methodical, with clear leadership qualities. I, I don't want to be around this guy. This is also the... Like I said, the spoiled boy of the group. He came from a very wealthy family. You can have a wealthy family in Russia. How's that happen? Well, you just have a, a rabbit and and two <laughs> layers of clothes instead of one. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's coming clear now. I get it. And you've okay. only killed seven people and not 11. It, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts about, I think it's pretty much just in the U.S., but when someone goes missing... Or they get murdered. Everyone says, oh, can't believe Brenda's gone. She had such a cute smile. She had such a bright smile. She was always smiling. Always smiling. <laughs> like, if I'm, if they're missing, the person's like, Jess, Jernica, come home. We miss your smile. Like, that's all they're, in Russia, if someone's missing, they're like, he is productive. Pedantic, efficient, <laughs> practical, wherever you are. Be productive. Stay. We have more food now. I got your extra layer of clothings. We are rich now. Thank you for the rabbit. So next up is is my lady, Zina Kolmogorova. 22 years old. This, this, this young lady was a dime. I'm telling you, this is a dime piece. Mm, okay. Um... Born on January 12th, 1937. She was a fourth-year student at UPI. 
radio radio engineering major. Everybody was into radios. It kind of seems like most of them were just that was the only that seems like the only course that they offered. <laughs> you will do uh, you do radio. Everybody here do radio. We have one radio with that one <laughs> guy. That one guy who's like, I'm not going to take radio class. I'm going to invent radio. We're usually out here doing it in the snow anyway, because most of the time building vanish. Building always <laughs> vanishing. <laughs> Mysterious. She was also an experienced hawker. And speaking of tough ladies, this beautiful young lady. I, I sound really smart ass when I keep calling her that. This lady is is jaw droppingly gorgeous. Yeah, she was beautiful. Seriously. Before she died. Before she died. The, uh, her her autopsy pictures, I'll say it, they leave a little to be desired. Like eyes. It's also sad. I'll, I'll say it. It's also sad when ugly people die. You're right. You're right. It's not just when the beautiful people die. No, it's also sad when ugly people die uh, a lot of the time. Yes. So. Yes. So I got that out of the way. There's That met our pandering quota. That. Let me check this off. Ugly people pandering quota. Check. And this badass, beautiful lady, during one of her trips, she was bitten by a viper. A poisonous viper in the spot, pain and suffering. She refused to lighten her load because she didn't want to cause hardship to others. Right. Of course. Because the other girl got shot and she's like, I just, I just got bit by a snake. So I can't, I can't. She got the shot. What, what am I bitching about? It's, look, it's, <laughs> it's turning purple. It's healing itself. I will just be less hungry now. So she's getting. She gets bit by a poisonous viper. Won't hand off any of her any of her gear. Finishes the hike like a fucking boss. Wow, this is a bad lady right here. Mm. Physically and 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 emotion, just a bad lady. She wants that certificate. She oh, she wants it bad. People who knew her said she was the engine of the university. She was full of ideas and treated others with interest and respect. She just sounds like a fantastic a fantastic lady. She's the whole package, young Xena. Aside from being a communist, but nobody's perfect. Yeah. Well, she even had a beautiful smile, and they still didn't even use that on her. They used, like, oh, she's the engine of the university. How much more Russian of, an, of a description of someone can you get than... You use something mechanical? Yeah. Something industrial to describe somebody's qualities. They are not just the distributor. They are the cap and rotor of the engine of the universe. <laughs> they are piston. She is the camshaft. Next up, we have Rustam Slobodin, born January 11th, 1936, 23 years old. Graduated UPI University in 59, the year that they unfortunately go missing. He was a very athletic man and honest he was very, very loyal to Igor Dyatlov, which we'll find out later in their final final minutes. But he was a quiet guy. Just kind of kept to himself. You know, just didn't really, did not mind, uh, did not care for a good conversation. So he was the muffler of the university. Wait, no, he would be the catalytic converter. Yeah, he'd be the catalytic, he'd be the catalytic converter. converter. Yes, yes. I stand correct. He also played the mandolin. <laughs> Pussy. Cause, because what? Because everyone else was making radios. He was like, what can I do? <laughs> what talent do I have? <laughs> Mandolin, I guess. Next up, we have Nicola Tabo Brigno. This guy's last name is ridiculous. And that's in a, that, that's saying something in a list of 
people, a lot of people with ridiculous last names. It sounds like a an exercise I did in like 2004. It is literally 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 10, 11, 13, 14. 18 letters long. Just his last wow. name. 18 letters. How pedantic of him. If you can't get it done in 10 letters, you don't need to, you don't need to exist. That's what I say. He's at 14 letters and, and, and he's like, nope, not good enough. Let's put a couple of those backward R's in there somewhere. Yeah, and some dashes. Like, give me an umlaut. Graduated 1950, he was 23 years old, graduated 1958 with a major in civil engineering from UPI University. He was actually the son of a French communist who was executed during the Stalin years, and he himself was born in a concentration camp for political prisoners. It sounds like he had a just a fun childhood. <laughs> a good Russian childhood. His friends liked him for his energy, his sense of humor, and his friendly open character. <laughs> we didn't see him much, but when we did, we saw him through the fence slats, and he looked like he had a lot of energy. And then when we got out, we uh, when we saw him, he was usually caving in the heads of baby kittens. Yes, always talking about being hungry and cold. But he seems like a good dude. Everybody seemed to like him. He had a great smile. Last up is Semyon Zalatorov, born February 2nd, 1921. This is the oldest member of the group at 38 years old. Now, the other nine members, when they had nine, when, before Yuri Yudin backed out, were kind of standoffish with Semyon at first, who was this old guy wanting to join their group, but he, he eventually gained their trust and, uh, and, and found a place in the group and fit right in. He's 38, kind of creepy. He's the creepy old guy. He's like the one in the group that's like, you don't want to go down that road, yeah? There's an old cemetery back down, yeah? That's Simeon. Yeah, that's a wise, wise man. Uh, I didn't come up with any of that in my research, though. I got to be, I got at full disclosure. <laughs> Simeon was actually a veteran of World War II. He was a real hard ass. Saw a lot of combat. And, and Simeon is just kind of wanting to, you know, get out, stretch his legs a little bit. He's already a... A certificate two, want to be a certificate three, so he kind of just meshes in with this group of young bucks. Now I know you're wondering, up in uh, all this cold and all this cold and misery, who was the hottest? Yeah, I've been wondering that this whole time. I'm like, I just, I just picture a lot of like excess body hair. Ugh. Oh yeah, well this is the fifties. Like, even the even the Americans had a lot of. There was a lot of stray pubes going around. You know, like. <laughs> They were just floating around in the wind. That's how many of those were. They had they wore poodle skirts because it came down to their ankles. They're, they looked like Arabian horses, just like these long. Yeah, a lot names. of people considered like the seventies the year of the Afro, but it, it started in the fifties. So we went over who who was the hottest of the two females, right? Miss Miss Komogorova, beautiful lady, and then even Miss Dubanini, she's a beautiful lady. Uh, but what about the dudes? So you know, I've been looking at these. This picture of these young men, uh, and we need to we need to clarify that all these men of are are of age. All of them are are old enough to buy alcohol, which in Russia at that time is eleven. But they're a lot older than eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna say, I think you're born with a liquor license there. Yeah, all all of them have like fetal alcohol syndrome. What's it called? <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I'm looking at these pictures, uh, and I know you've seen the pictures too. And I'm like. I'm thinking to myself, like, which one would I bang out in the snow? One of these young men. Just for body heat. They were like, we are all, uh, 
We're all looking for dick. We're <laughs> some extra dick. And if I was like, well, I might die tomorrow, so this might be my last chance. Now, you pick one of us. I would probably, at first I'd go with Mr. Doroshenko, Yuri. Yuri Doroshenko, mm. right? Mm-hmm. He's got kind of a Tom Hardy look going on. Tom Hardy and, and, and Mad Max. Okay. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. He's got a very nice um, parted hair. That's always a an attractive sign. Just a square jawed ma- masculine looking man. And if I'm gonna turn gay, I wanna be I want it to be with somebody like really masculine, right? Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna go like halfway gay where it's some like feminine dude that like wants to talk about nails and shit. I wanna be able to I wanna be able to drop a hand job on a dude and then go change the transmission. Exactly. <laughs> if you're gonna get all oiled up, you might as well be able to use it on for all tasks in your life. Exactly. And and you know I was going to go into the list of who else uh, 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 I would rank these men in, in their hotness, but I just realized I don't want to do that. I think maybe I just want to give Dorshenko a hand job. I think that's what this all boiled down to. So let's just move on. You created your bang <laughs> list, and then it was all just to cover for your hidden attraction for Yuri Dorshenko. It makes sense. <laughs> but uh, the reason I bring this up is to is to bring up one not important but kind of important fact. This is, and you agreed with me up before. This is a good-looking group of people. They are. They're not bad. They're not bad-looking. There are some large ears on some of the men, but I guess in the wilderness yeah, that may come in handy. Particularly uh, Thabo, who I'm going to refer to as Thabo now, the the 18-letter last name. Particularly Thabo and and Yuri Kravashenko, not Durashenko, the one, the one that my dude, but but Kravashenko. They've they've got that. That's the reason that there's. They're doing radio stuff because they've got some satellites there. They can hear everything. They can hear all. They can hear all spectrums of light with their ears. But I, but I mean, all in all, good-looking group of young men and women. Just uh, when you look at the group, if it didn't have names underneath it, it would look like nine men and one woman. Because Lyudmila, bless her heart for getting shot, she looks. She looks like a dude. I disagree. I disagree with that. I'm gonna have to disagree. I'm gonna. I'm gonna provide some resistance right here and say that Ludmilla looks like a. I think a beautiful young lady. Mm. Um, with her when her mouth is closed. I think it's also the stern stare in her eye. It's the same stare that uh, you know you get like in from a lunch lady. Oh, she seems very serious. Mm. Very serious. This woman would work at the DMV. Yes, for sure. Anyway, so so we've met our group. And they've gotten together. They're gonna they're gonna go on a little trip. They're gonna get their grade three certificate. And the goal that they've chosen was to reach O'Torton Mountain, which was a long way. I think I remember it was over a hundred miles. Really, on foot? Yes, on oh. foot. Jeez. So so it is important to note that you know uh, Ludmilla had a, had carried a camera with her, and and everybody kept a journal. So it is very very well documented. Um, the events leading up to the faithful night, and also with images, pictures. You can look at pictures of them going on their hike, and it, it all just kind of seems like uh, if you put it all together, it would just be a montage set to that song. A song by Hall and Oates, operator. You know, you know the one. You make my dreams come true. What I want, you got. It might be hard to handle. But like a flame that burns a candle 
The candle feeds the flame. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you. <laughs> Preach. I can just see a montage of days leading up. Bad, you know, they're, that song's that song's playing and they're hitting each other in the face with snowballs and laughing. <laughs> they're making snow angels. They're like, they're in a line and they're doing the same dance, like kind of a, a trot dance <laughs> to the music. Yeah, yeah, you. Ludmilla's kicking all their asses at leg wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an igloo and... and and Dyatlov like pushes a brick out and then sticks his face, his chin on the in the hole and like gives a grin. Like <laughs> it's in it's in old timey videos, so everything's a little faster. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And everybody's standing around the outside. They all they all look at him and they put their hands on their hips and then they look at the camera and they're like, "Oh, Igor, oh, Igor, <laughs> he's so crazy. He's so pedantic." <laughs> yeah, in my head. That's the song that's playing these first couple days, right? They're just having a blast. They're young, wild, and free. It just goes, it cuts from like fun-loving kids to Ludmilla picking up tree, tree stumps. Fun-loving kids to Ludmilla like catching fish with her mouth. Fun-loving kids, that compilation to the Ivan Drago compilation from Rocky. <laughs> Yes. And then it cuts to them all getting steroid shots in the shoulder. Just because. <laughs> it's Russia. And just beat the fuck out of each other for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. So they're out there making a compilation, you know, having a blast, having the time of their lives. Making their way. Downtown. Who lived close? I'm glad you brought that up, Op. The coroner was very adamant about letting everyone know that none of these young these young people were sexually active, at least with each other, because the two ladies were I don't know how you tell. They were in they were checked. Um and, and neither one of them had been sexually active. Ever? Or like on the trip. I mean I, I don't thing. even th- I don't think Russian women are born with hymens. <laughs> they are. It's made out of Kevlar though, you know. Yeah, it can only be penetrated with a with a detonating round with a Russian penis. That's the only thing. <laughs> it's the only. Yeah, it's like Excalibur. It can only be pulled out of the rock by one person. Yeah, it's like Putin is the only one that in Russia. Stalin, Putin, you know, whoever. It's yeah, they're they're the ones. So the Manzi people are are, are the local tribe in the area. They refer to the to this mountain that they're working up to as the the mountain of the dead which seems i don't know seems like a warning right in a stephen king novel yes it does it seems ominous and like don't go that way if that's the name of it. so in russia how do you tell people that are tribes people in russia from regular russian people okay so that's a good question and if you look at pictures of these tribes these this manzi tribe it's obvious they are not the same color Oh, they're a very different color. Now I need to look at the pictures. How do you spell Manzi? They look like uh, American Indians. Oh, oh wow! Yes, you're right. They they look like um. Now, by all accounts, these are these are peaceful people. These are not violent people. And and as as ominous and dark as Mountain of the Dead sounds, uh, they actually call it that because it's barren. It's it's void of void of animal life and void of. 
for the most part, plant uh, vegetation. Interesting. So that's why it's called Mountain of the Dead. This was their destination? No, no, not the destination, but it's very close to Otorton, which uh, was a mountain that was 6.2 miles north of of the Mountain of the Dead. So it's not the destination, but it's it's really damn close. See, the, the difference between them and me is... 6.2 miles from one place to the other. <laughs> that's that's like naughty. That, I'm not even going to make that trip. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, in Russia, that's just uh, that's a hop a skip. That's a hop a skip away. After breakfast, we'll do that. 30 minutes stops. Also, that sounds like such a Russian destination. Right? What are the what are the geographic features of this place you're going to? Um nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's barren. Perfect. Let's go. Love it already. How far away is it? 100 miles. <laughs> okay. I'm in. <laughs> Even better. Even better. Barren like my heart. So, what are the what are the gender breakdown of the group we're going with? We're taking two women, strong as ox, rest men. Oh, I'm in. We uh we get to fight over them? <laughs> you can. Neither one of them has had sex before. And in Russia, they're like, that's like a certificate. You get a certificate for that, for, for not having sex. In America, that's, that's like the brass ring. Eight guys going with two women that have never had sex before on a hundred mile walking trip. Nah. Russia? They're like, yes. What pedantic women. Yeah, but in America, it's like, fucking sausage party, bro. What <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's even out the odds here. What? what how's this going to work? So uh, so the, the, they make it to the Mountain of the Dead. Things are about to get wacky. Do you think ever during this trip that, they, that someone said this phrase? Okay, Yuri, you're with Yuri. And then everybody just cracks up. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. That's going to be important in just a second. Okay. That's well, I'll, I'll hold my jokes. You did some foreshadowing, and you didn't even mean to. Dun, dun, dun. At this point, we've got to kind of cut it, just because we don't know what happened here. They get to the Mountain of the Dead that night, and then it's radio silence for, for a couple weeks. Um, nobody hears anything. They haven't reached their destination. Nobody's heard anything. Finally, they send out a search party. And on February 26th, the search party comes across their tent, about a mile up the Mountain of the Dead. Now, whenever, I know it's called the Mountain of the Dead, but this isn't a, a tall, looming mountain, one that you're, one, one that you're picturing in your head, like Everest or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's one that you could walk up on foot from, from the base all the way to the top. Okay. Right. At no point does the slope become overwhelming even to an American if it wasn't in four foot of snow. Okay. Right. <laughs> Once again, so Russian of them. We do what you do, but in, I don't know, 23 feet of snow. Negative 22 degrees. <laughs> so on February 26th, the search party comes across their tent on the side of this mountain. About a mile up from the from the tree line at the base of the mountain. And uh, and the tent's in shambles. It's It's been accumulating snow for a number of days. You know, it's, it's, it's fallen in in the center. But immediately they discover that almost all of their gear is there and uh, it's been cut in several portions from the inside out, which uh, it's odd. That's probably an alarming scene to come across, correct? Mm. From the inside out, huh? 
Yeah, it's been cut from the inside out. So, which is odd because it has openings on both sides. Why would you be in such a panic? Why would nine people be in such a panic that they have to immediately exit a tent through the tent to the point where they can't just leave through the entrances and the exits? Yes, and it's cold cut in multiple places. So, so it it, it appears that multiple people at a time are stabbing at at this tent material from the inside. Mm. You know, okay, so here's a couple thoughts. Were, were there any signs of animals around the tent at all? Negative. There is no sign of animals around the tent, period, at all. Nada, none, nothing. Keep in mind, this is the, what, they, what the Manzi call the Mountain of the Dead. They call it that because of the lack of wildlife. Cor- oh, correct, correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, I've been hunting before, and you'll see the tent press in like something's pressing in from the outside of the tent and oh i see where you're going with this okay okay i'm listening yeah you you got large animals walking by you all all night long you know elk will walk right through your camp and they're curious you know so i've thought about that before like if something presses in on the tent i've thought i'll shoot through the tent or stab through the tent so i was thinking maybe if something was outside and they were it was pressing on it that they would stab through the tent you know but yeah no animals so never mind so what what else do the to the do the search party find well you know they're looking around there there's there's tracks the tracks are leading down the mountainside and it appears that the tracks are are they're, they're walking tracks these aren't this this is not a run which only adds to the confusion it seems like uh you know looking at this tent aside from the lack of tracks from a predator it seems like that whatever happened there happened in a panic, as if they were being attacked, correct? Yes. But the tracks going down the leading away from the tent are are at a, at a walk, at a walking pace, and, and all all hikers are accounted for. So we have nine sets of tracks. So they cut their way out of the tent and then sauntered away, basically. Yes. Now here's a here's an even odder part. Most of their clothing was left behind in the tent as well as their skis. And all of their survival stuff. Okay, I have one thought. What do you think about this? <clears throat> How did they stay warm inside? The, did they stay warm in tent in the tent? Was there any any? So that's a, that's or? a good question, and I, and I think I know where you're going. I think I know where you're getting ready to. That this is what's fun about this case, and and also frustrating. Any possible theory that you're going to be able to come up with right now, I'm going to give you a thousand reasons why that's not what happened. You know, I'm just going to hold withhold my my questions then. <laughs> Until okay, okay. Until after the PowerPoint, <laughs> keep asking questions because it makes it fun. But to answer your question, yes, uh, Igor Doroshenko had actually made the oven that they cooked with. Uh, it took ungodly long for them to put it together. It, they actually had competitions on who could put it together the fastest, and the, and the shortest time was an hour. Wow, these are Russians too. Dang. Uh. Uh, so they used it as both a warming device and as a, a way to cook. Okay, because I, I was trying to run through a scenario in my head where, like, I would be panicked enough to cut through a tent, but then not run away from the tent. And I was thinking, okay, if the, the tent was suddenly filled with smoke, okay, I might cut into That's the, where I figured you were going with that. Yeah, I might cut into the tent to try to get rid of the smoke. And then I, I would get out of the tent and stand around the tent to, you know, I wouldn't, like, rah, I wouldn't run away. So, okay. Okay, this is a fantastic idea. Let's table that for just a moment. Okay. Well, let's keep, let's remember that it's there, but let's table it for just a moment. Okay. 
and and while we table it, I want you to keep in mind that although that's a possibility, they left. They're barefoot. Oh, they went out barefoot. It's negative. It's negative twenty two degrees. Yeah, even negative if the tent was twenty two degrees. Smoke. I don't think I would. I definitely. If anything, I'm taking my boots out and standing in the snow for a second while I put my boots on. That's what. I, yeah. Now they, okay. they 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 have socks on. That's all they have on is socks. Yeah. It does, so when I say yeah. barefoot, I just mean they don't have boots. Doesn't seem like enough still. And negative twenty two degrees in 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 two to three feet of snow. They follow these tracks down the mountain, and at point nine seven miles, which is four thousand nine hundred and twenty one feet. They finally hit the tree line at the base of the mountain, and underneath a large cedar tree, they discover the first two bodies, and those two bodies are Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Kravonashenko, and that's why we get our first group, the Yuris. Yuri, Yuri, Yuri. Yeah, you asked if the Yuris were ever together, like is Yuri with Yuri? Yuri, uh, they died together, so that's sweet. Okay, yeah. Well, this is a pretty good Yuri sample. You'll also find out later that they were likely the first to die, which is one of the very few facts we are not even facts, but what everybody seems to agree on about this case. So the first Yuri Yudin, you know, the tenth member of the group, bitched out earlier on before the hike, and then the other two Yuris died first. Doroshenko, being my man, ain't nobody else's man. That's my mm. man, <laughs> my Tom Hardy. Right. But we can assume that Yuris are just bitches, right? Like, <laughs> I guess, yeah, apparently. First one bitched out before they even stepped. The other two were the first to die. Yeah, they're not faring well. So at the base of this large cedar tree, they find... It's because their names aren't long enough. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially Kravonashenko, for the love of God. Yeah. <laughs> Get over yourself. So uh, they discover, and, and they've got a little bit of snow piled on them. They've been laying there for a, for a good minute, for... for for a couple weeks, but it's negative 22, so the bodies are still pretty much in mint condition in terms of uh, the state that they're in now and the state that they were in when they died, right? There's no animal life messing with them, and, and they're frozen solid. They've been deep frozen, pretty much. Okay. So so neither one of them are, are wearing boots, pants, hats, gloves, or anything. They're in their underwear, and they're in a light, light shirt, upper shirt, like a, like a Hanes t-shirt. Like a, like a Calvin Klein blouse. Yeah, basically. Right. And they're laying together side by side. Hmm. Okay, I'll throw another one at you. I'm sure you're going to want to table okay. it, but hit me with it. People that get hypothermic, they start taking layers off. They do. It's called a para para something undressing. Paradoxical. Fancy pants ass word for it. But yes, para something undressing. That's very common. Another thing, but what usually, so what usually goes along with that um, odd thing is they also burrow. They, people tend to burrow when they do that. Um, that's not the case here. Also, if that were the case, their clothes would be around. Oh, their clothes are missing. They're like not there. They're huh? gone. They're yeah. not. They're not wearing them at all, and they're not in the area. Weird. So that can immediately be crossed off the list. Okay. All right. Now, um, they also noticed that beside that, that on this large cedar tree that they're found underneath, four meters up, between four and five meters, the first four and five meters up the tree, the branches have been broken off as if they were desperately trying to escape something. 
And there's also flesh embedded into the tree where they were digging at it with their hands trying to get up the tree. Ew. Jeez. So that they were trying to climb it or or escape something. Okay. I'll th- I got one idea. Okay. Everyone thinks panic, right? That sounds just like a regular basic Russian game to me. Yeah. Let's uh, see who can dig the most of their skin off the off the cedar tree down here. Wow! Before we die, it's negative twenty two degrees. What else could we do to make this worse? I know. Let's <laughs> shave our hands off on this tree. Now they also find uh, the remnants of a small, very small little campfire mm. beside the bodies. So let's table all that information. Actually, no, let's not table that. Let's go into the into the injuries that were found on Yuri Durashenko and Yuri Kravonashenko. Can you use like a? Can you use like a really cool voice when you do it. Like like you. We're gonna do that again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll do. I'll do my voice. You like the voice? I'll do the voice. Thanks. Yes. <clears throat> Let me get a swig of beer here. Our first corpse, frozen solid, laid out flat on his stomach alongside Doroshenko and buried under a small pile of fresh Christmas cocaine is 23-year-old Kravonashenko. Although hypothermia is determined to be the cause of death, Kravonashenko is later found to have burns on his left foot, legs, and hands. Heavy bruising is also noted alongside the right side temporalis muscle, the muscle group located directly above the ear on the head. And it also appears that, for whatever reason... He has bitten off a large chunk of his own knuckle. That chunk is eventually discovered to be in his mouth, frozen with the rest of him, with the rest of everybody. Uh, uh, oh, when I, 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 whenever I do that voice, mm. that voice that comes over me, I get a. An erection? I, like I always have like a mig- migraines after and I ran an erection. Migraine, yeah. Oh, ever since we we were talking about Doroshenko, I've, I've been hard. I get it. I don't know, 80% of this phone call? You know, like I said, Yuri Kravonashenko has heavy bruising um, over a, a lot of his body. He's got burns on his feet, his legs, and his hands. And he has bitten a chunk of his own knuckle off, which was found in his mouth. He died of hypothermia, it was determined. Also, the clothing that he was wearing had traces of radioactivity. Really? So you try to do the math on that. You, you, how does that add up to you? Well, it's standard Russian forest, right? So, you know, probably. Now, the only thing, the only reason I can think of you would do, you would bite chunks of your own knuckle off was to either A, try to keep yourself awake because you're fading, or B, stifle a, cr- a scream, a cry, because you don't want to be heard. Or if someone was like, yeah, like, bite down because this is going to hurt. This maybe. is going to hurt. Oh, maybe tor- you're thinking torture? You're, you're going to go torture, maybe? Or like surgery, like, I need to reset your leg kind of thing, you know? Okay, so so let's table that as well. We'll bring that back up when we get to Dyatlov. Okay, all right. Okay. Huh. Next up, we got Yuri Doroshenko, who was found laying beside Kravonashenko. He's, oh, yeah, you want me to do the voice, don't you? You want me to do the thing, the thing again? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, yeah, do it. Okay, let's do it. Laying alongside his name-sharing compadre was 21-year-old Yuri Doroshenko. Sprawled out on his back and half-naked, Doroshenko also fell victim to the icy death grip of hypothermia. 
He had a hard time beforehand, though, it seemed, because Doroshenko was covered in various scrapes and bruises. Much like Krivonoshenko, he also had burns on his foot, as well as his head. Gray fluid was noted to be spilling out of the mouth, and blood had visibly flowed from his ears and nose before death. Doroshenko looked as if he had just gone 12 rounds with the devil himself. Oh, okay, and I'm out of it. So, how was that? Was that good? Oh, correction time again. That was, that was really hard. I mean, that was really good. So you are too now? Huh? No, what? So, uh, Yuri Doroshenko burns on his head and foot. He has gray fluid coming out of his mouth, which uh, can sometimes be consistent with injuries where you have a heavy weight put on your chest. Death, death that has led to a heavy weight being, being placed on chest. There's a lot of possibilities. Is there any other color of fluid in 1950s Russia than gray? Than gray, it's all gray. Everything's gray. Everything's gray. All the crowns. When you bought a a, a, a box of crowns, it was gray, 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 gray. That was yeah, all just gray. Exactly. <laughs> so that's not interesting. If it, you know, all of it's gray. So it's just they should have just said fluid. <laughs> you need to keep in mind it's mandolins, sadness, and, and snow. So he's also got Yuri Doroshenko also has scrapes and bruises. And uh, his ears, nose, and mouth are covered in blood. It has also been determined that he died of hypothermia. That's rough. That's rough. Okay. Now, you keep you keep bringing up the fact that these, these sound like something that could have happened with torture methods, right? But mm-hmm. yes. it's important. It's very important to note that there are no tracks in the area that can't be accounted for as the hikers. Oh, really? Huh. So unless these torturers are ghosts... That can't be the uh-huh. case. That can't be what happened. <laughs> or aliens. Or aliens. Yeah, unless it's ghosts or something capable of flight. Okay. All right. So this thing is picking them up and it's torturing them in the air and then dropping, dropping them. Dropping them. That's, that's yeah. what's happening. Crushing them a bit and dropping them. Now, as I mentioned previously, the, the branches are broke five meters up on the cedar tree. It's possible that they could have climbed the cedar to try to gain, to try to gather firewood. Mm-hmm. Right for the for the fire, okay, and and they were just trying to find dry, usable firewood, and that's how they got some of these injuries, and that's why the branches were broken off. Maybe they weren't trying to escape anything. Maybe they were just trying to get warm. Maybe the burns on their body are from they had frostbite and they could not get them warm, no matter how close they got to the fire, and they and mm-hmm. they burned they burned their hands and feet. Maybe that's how that happened. Okay, a whole lot of maybes here. Yeah, not not a whole lot of day, but that seems par for the course. With uh, <laughs> it's not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crap! Okay. Spoiler alert: It's not going to get any better. Mm. So the search team is like, "Well, this is odd. This is certainly a this is a strange sight." <laughs> uh, they start backtracking back towards the tent, and on the way back to the tent, they realize that they pass three bodies, and this is what we will call Group Two, the second group of bodies. This group can consist of Igor Dyatlov, the leader of the group, Rustam Slobodin, and our our fair lady, the lady of the land, unfortunately, Zaneda Komogorova. And uh, they have died in a line, uh, on, on, and it looks as if they have died facing the tent 
on their stomachs. So it seems as if, as if they were crawling back to the tent in line together as a group. And of course, surprising to nobody, uh, guess who was closest to the tent? Jesus. Not, that was a good guess. Uh, on a good try, you gave it the go hard. Was it one Not, of the Yuris? The Yuris are both dead. They're under the cedar. That's oh, great. And the third one is on his ass watching. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Dukes of Hazard. Great TV. <laughs> <laughs> Black and white television. Um, it's going to be one of the other ones. <laughs> you nailed it. It was, in fact, one of the other ones. Yes. I should be on Jeopardy. It's uh, Zena. Zena Komogorova. Our, our lady, my lady. I keep saying ours. That's my 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 lady. She's yours, and she is the closest to the tent. And she made she was within two thousand eight hundred fifty five feet of the tent. That doesn't seem close, but she was the closest, huh? She was by far the closest because the next the next closest was uh, Rustam Slobodin. He is three thousand a little over three thousand four hundred feet from the tent. So, uh, Miss Zena stomped his ass in that crawl back. And then behind Rustum, behind Rustum, by about 600 feet, is our, our fearless leader, Igor Dyatlov. And, and it's, it's important to note they're all laying on their stomachs. It all seems as if they've been crawling. They're all dead and they're all facing the tent. So they're trying to get back to the tent after, after whatever has happened, right? None of okay. them have boots on. They're in they're in in socks. Some of them are wearing two to three layers of socks, but they're all in socks nonetheless. Now this group is better dressed than than our two Yuris. They have warming layers on, and uh, on both upper and lower body. Not multiple warming layers. A lot of their clothes are still back at the tent, but they're at least wearing clothes. Okay, all right, good for them. So let's get into the injuries here, shall we? Let's start. Let's start with Igor Dyatlov. Why don't we? On his back, with his eyes open, frozen over, and forever fixed to the sky, is our fearless leader, 23-year-old Igor Dyatlov, hands clenched tightly to his chest and face locked in an expression of almost confusion. He was covered in cuts, bruises, and scrapes. He also had abrasions and bruising around his ankles and had apparently been vomiting blood right before his death. Dyatlov had injuries on the knuckles of his hands that would later be determined to have been caused by crawling over ice and rocks with his fists clenched. All three of the dead in this group possessed hand injuries similar to this, which is also oddly characteristic of having been in a fist fight. Okay, I'm back. Um, woof. Woof. I don't even remember what I just said there. But uh, I'm assuming that I said that uh, Igor Dyatlov had abrasions and bruising on his ankles that looked as if they could have been caused by a rope. Really? Yes. Huh. Now, they weren't certainly caused by a rope. It's just injuries that are common with rope being wrapped Burns. tightly around the ankles. Okay. As if his ankles were tied together at some point. Man, this whole thing's weird. Now, this is speculation. This is like... This is this isn't. Hey, these are rope burns. These are rope injuries. This is like, oh, that's sometimes what happens when somebody is tied up, right? Mm-hmm. Igor has cuts and bruises, scrapes on his face, and aside from that, 
He died from hypothermia. Like the, just like the, our two Yuris. Next up, we have Rustam Slobodin. Not far up from Igor Dyatlov and in the fetal position lay his closest friend, 23-year-old Rustam Slobodin. Despite the fact that the left side of his skull had been fractured with something blunt, his cause of death was also listed as hypothermia. The doctor performing the autopsy added that although the skull injury was very serious, it wouldn't have caused him to go unconscious. And, you know, like I mentioned, he has a a fractured skull. The left side of his head's been not caved in because um, the injury that he suffered had, it wasn't wasn't life threatening, or it was probably life threatening over a long enough period of time. But it wouldn't have knocked him unconscious. It would have dazed him pretty badly. Um, but it wasn't what killed him. It wasn't the reason for his death. It was hypothermia. You probably guessed. Oh darn it! Well, I was just going to say. Oh, interesting. Oh, he has some unique injuries. Okay, this is interesting. But he died the same way. So it's getting ready to get way more unique. Okay. All right. Not with our not with our fair lady here, but with the next group. Okay. Now, and last but certainly not least, Zenaida Coma Garova. Also found in the fetal position, Coma Garova was the least injured of the three of them. She did, however, have bruises on her face and a large bruise on her side near her waist. Cause of death was also determined to be hypothermia. Oh, that one really hurt. Oh, it really hurt. To, yeah. Really hurt. Boy. It hurt to go into that one. It hurts my heart going into that one. I could tell you were hurting. It hurt, it hurt almost as much as it t- does talking about Doroshenko. Zena has abrasions on her hands, bruising on her face, and a large bruise on her side that is consistent with uh, a bruise that would, that it looks as if she's been hit with a baton. Hmm. She was 22 years old. Rest in peace, Zena. <laughs> Had you survived, Kent might have bedded you for the first time in your life. Has you had you survived, you would be eighty three years old today, and there might be a chance. So, so the search the search party they find the, these last three bodies and they just kind of go. Well, I guess the other four are gone, and they just kind of fuck off. <laughs> yeah, they don't even look uh, for them. Well, they look around there. They piddle a little bit. They eat their chocolates out of the tent. <laughs> That's true. That happened. I didn't make that up. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they ate the chocolates. Oh my gosh! Because later, because later they're talking to Yuri Uden. like, "Well, there's chocolates missing," and they're like, "Oh no, we ate them." The search party was <laughs> like, "We ate them. They're not missing. They're in our belly." Seriously, like, <laughs> like, okay, when, when does that come up in the conversation? They're like, they're "Like, we're back. Oh, tent was eh, crazy. Everyone's dead. Clothes everywhere." Yuri Uden's like. But what about the chocolates? Where are they? <laughs> really? Well, if you think about it, this is Soviet Union, nineteen fifty nine, in the middle of all the misery. Chocolates are probably like a they're probably like a, a delicacy. That's probably like yeah. something that you would remember. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'd be like you and me talking about going to space or something. They're lucky if they have water that they don't have to melt. The water, the ice there doesn't even melt. It's that tough. Yeah, it's just non-melting ice. Yeah. The, the only thing that's tougher than the ice there are women's hymens. <laughs> it can only be pierced, as we've established, with the Russian penis. 
A Russian penis, I've heard, is barbed at the end. <laughs> to prevent it from coming back out. Yeah. I, yeah, they lock up like dogs. Like, <laughs> like a harpoon. Yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no trimesters in Russia. The babies just roll out of them like a boulder at some point <laughs> right after conception. <laughs> and then it just rolls down into the corner. Just falls into the snow and starts hocking. <laughs> Certificate one. So our, oh, good times. Our, our, uh, our search party that, like I said, they fuck off. And, uh, on May 4th, a couple weeks later, they're like, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we try to, try to go find those other bodies. <laughs> you doing anything? No. I'm not doing nothing. I just finished my borscht. Let's go. <laughs> so, on May 4th, they, they stumble across our, our last group of, of dead Russians. They have by far the worst injuries. They are located 246 foot into the woods from the large cedar tree that uh, that our two Yuris were found under. So they're the furthest from the tent of all the groups. Uh, they are made up of Layudmila Dubinini, our other our other female, also Thabo, Kolovatov, and Zalataryov. I always get that's the that's the hardest name to pronounce, Zalataryov. Yeah. So those those are our four those are our four that are found. They're found in, in uh and the reason they weren't found before is because they were under about seven foot of snow in a ravine. Uh in in a in a like a creek kind of running water ravine type thing. Um and, and the snow had melted a bit, revealing that they that there was something down there. They started digging and they discovered the four bodies. Oh, it was okay. it looked as if they had tried to make kind of a a makeshift shelter of some sort, a little survival shelter, but they were uh, all unfortunately dead from very, very serious in- or very serious injuries. So let's get into into poor Loudmilla Dubini, who was twenty years old, on her knees in the creek with her chest against a small waterfalling rock wall, and her arms and head slumped over the upper edge, laying in the running water, was twenty year old. Lumilia Dimenina. Her face was badly damaged, eyes missing, tongue missing, lips missing. Little remained of the young, vibrant, attractive face that once resided there. Dubinina also had ten broken ribs and had died from a massive heart hemorrhage. She was discovered to have been wearing a pair of pants belonging to Yuri Kirvanashenko. It appeared the seven survivors at that point in time had stripped both Yuri's of their warming layers after they passed. All right, that one, that one was a little bit easier. Still tough. So, like we said, this is now this is the this is the one that comes up a lot when people break, talk about Dyatlov's pass uh, because of the the oddity of her injury. She's missing her lips. She has ten broken ribs. She has died of massive heart hemorrhaging. And she is also missing her eyes and her tongue. Heart hemorrhaging, like heart, her heart burst, basically. Yes. yes. Really? Wow, that's hard to do, even for Russians. So, 
a lot of people always point to the fact, you know, her 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 eyes and tongue are missing. Her eyes and tongue are missing. Yeah, this this is good if you're trying to make for in, intriguing storytelling. But that's not what we're trying to do. <laughs> we're no. gonna drop the truth. We're gonna drop uh, a, a little a little piece of a little another little piece of the puzzle here that that makes that that aspect of of her of her corpse a little less um, interesting. And it's the fact that she was found face down. Uh, in a running stream of water, preventing her from freezing, or, or at least uh, allowing organisms to get to her face. Um, if you look at pictures of her corpse, uh, they, they 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 always seem to forget to mention that most of her face was rotted away. Uh, a lot of her skull is visible. Um, oh, her eyes are okay. gone, and her tongue and everything is gone because it's it's clearly rotted away. Okay, um, so her, time in the that water part of it is did this to her. Yes, time in the water. And, and that's going to be the case for a lot of uh, a lot of some of the more missing soft tissues on the bodies of these last four. But there's more substantial injuries that 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 does not by any means account. Okay, so the thawing definitely contributed, but not but not for everything. No, 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 not at all. So Alexander Kolovatov and Semyon Zalteryov were found in, in an eternal clutch. Of love, and that's beautiful. Uh-huh. You know, that's just beautiful. And and if we're being realistic, it's probably because they were freezing to death. Yeah, body heat. <laughs> yeah, it's just her yeah. body heat, man. So they were clutching to each other as hard as they could, also laying in the in the in running water. I'm not a survivalist by any means, but probably not the place I would choose to try to stay stay warm. But you know, yeah. you do you, Russians, right? <laughs> Russians. Right. Where should we try to get warm? How about this cold stream? Let's uh, just get in the water. So, uh, Alexander Kolovatov. Kolovatov had what the coroner referred to as a deformed neck, whatever that means, and a large gash behind his right ear. He also sported a broken nose, and the skull above his eyes was exposed due to rot. Kolmatov's death wasn't stated, but a broken neck probably didn't help his situation any at all. Oh, okay. So, like I said, <laughs> the the coroner notes that he had a deformed neck. Hmm. So you're probably you're probably thinking, well, were there rope burns around his neck? And the answer to that is no. Yeah, no. no. There's no injuries around the neck, no external injuries, um, no superficial injuries around the neck, just a broken neck, which was what I'm what I'm assuming deformed neck means. It almost seems like this coroner just worked at a at an automotive detailing shop and they were like, we need coroner. I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> deformed neck. <laughs> neck is neck is fucked. Tansler shows up. <laughs> Y'all going to keep that? I can fix it. <laughs> with paper mache. You got some paper mache around here and some bananas. Can I keep the leftovers? Well, I'll fix this guy. <laughs> oh, look at that. Coma Garova. They got <laughs> home with me. So uh, he's got a deformed neck. He's got a, a large gash behind his right ear. And uh, he's also missing his eyebrow. the skin, His eyebrows and the skin behind his eyebrows exposing his skull, which isn't that odd. But he also has a broken nose. So we got deformed neck, gash behind the right ear, broken nose. Okay. Odd, right? Yeah, it it seems that seems like some uh more particular injuries, like um specific, you know. 
Now the uh, the coroner will note that a lot of the injuries that these these four in our last group sustained are consistent with either a a high, a, a high speed car wreck or the shockwave from a bomb. Okay, both of which uh, no highways around there, unlikely, and unless it's a bombing range for the the Mengsik tribe. Next up, we have old Nikolai Thibo. Uh, it, it seems out of all of them, you know, Nikolai went down the quickest in terms of uh, mm. a quick a quick death. His the the entire side of his skull was just shattered, just Jeez. ravaged. His his head was caved in. He was in bad shape. Also, unfortunately, Nikolai in this group died off by himself. Just kind of go die over there. Nikolai, we're all gonna die over here. You go over there, well, like, but like, like you said, they're they're not on a treacherous mountain, so it's not like they this guy fell a hundred feet down a cliff. No, no, you no. know this ravine is is about nine to ten foot deep, and you also have to keep in mind it was covered in snow, so that's soft. You know, like even if they had fallen, it's not like a yeah. hard landing. Right? Yeah, that doesn't. Mm. Doesn't make much sense. Next up, we have the oldest of the group, 38-year-old Semyon Zolotaryov. In Kolotov's clutch, but still extremely dead, was 38-year-old World War II veteran Semyon Zolotaryov. Also missing his eyes and all soft facial tissue, Zolotaryov had a deep gash on the back of his head and five broken ribs, resulting in a flailed chest. A flail chest occurs when several ribs are broken in multiple places, causing one side of the chest to rise and fall with the inhales and exhales of the lungs through the newfound hole in the rib cage. Semyon was also discovered to be clutching a pen and a notepad, as well as a camera that the rest of the group was unaware of. The film was damaged, and whatever note Zolotarov was trying to write in his final moments never came to fruition. He died before getting that far. Our poor old man. Uh, he, he he's he's looking he's looking pretty pretty rough. He has five broken ribs, a flail chest, missing eyes, and soft face tissue, which can be explained explained by the by the running water, and a very deep brutal gash on the back of his head. Back of his head. Yes. Ah. Uh. That's interesting. Coroner determines that all nine of them died from a compelling natural force in which they could not overcome. The end. Huh. That's... <laughs> I was going to say, that's vague. Okay. I wish I was kidding. Wow. That's... that's, that's <laughs> the fucking end. That's the end. Wow. Guy just drops the drops the scalpel, walks out. I'm done. And the 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 answer, you know, a compelling natural force in which they were unable to overcome is basically just going, ah, fuck, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> and then write that on their reports. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, they got killed or some shit. <laughs> my prediction is they're dead. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say my assessment is that they've died. <laughs> so, uh, because you know, five of them died supposedly from hypothermia. I was curious what that's like, and it is a very slow and agonizing death uh, up until the end. the The end of it almost seems like maybe like maybe like being on psychedelics, drugs. You know, the last 
maybe hour or so, you're kind of your heart rate slows down dramatically. You stop shivering and you start feeling warm. Sometimes too warm, which leads to the paradoxical undressing. We were we were discussing earlier. That's why that they do that mm. because they feel hot. They think they're they think they're overheating. Um, and what and the reason for that is because uh, these muscles that were previously tightened up for long periods of time in extremely cold weather just kind of give up, release, and then let all the blood flow back into the uh, the outer extremities, causing okay. tingling and 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 feeling like they're overheating. Um, I see. So hypothermia is is a really terrible way to die up until the end there, where you just kind of you're just stoned for a little bit, laying there watching the pretty birds fly around, even though. <laughs> They didn't get to because this was Dead Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) No birds. And it was the middle of the night. So uh, it was dark, scary, (laughs) and cold. (laughs) Well, not scary because they're Russian. But not scary. Probably laying there dying going, oh, thank God. At least it's dark and cold. (laughs) Now, I want to say that in in my research, and this is completely unrelated to this, but it's just funny because I want anybody, anybody that may be listening up, just in case somebody's listening? I, yeah, just me. Okay. Nothing, huh? Anyways, in my research, I was looking up, you know, what, what is it like to die of hypothermia? And I found a video called Life-Threatening Hypothermia Emergency. By, uh, and you could look this up. And while I'm talking about this, I want you to look it up right there. Top in. Okay. Go to YouTube. Yep. YouTube. Top in. Got it. Life-Threatening Hypothermia Emergency. Life and and re- <laughs> hypothermia emergency and the and the creator the 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 channel name is Larry Melick. This is an actual hypothermia case. This dude is dying. He's already went into cardiac arrest twice, and he's standing back filming it like how to make a a coffee table. Like if you look here, <laughs> and then there's a point where he's interviewing the people that are trying to work on him, and he turns no. to this other dude. Yeah, watch the video right there. He turns the camera to this other dude, and he, he stops, and the dude's grinning. He's like, well, you know what we got going on here is we got to pick him. And this fucker's dying for sure. He's fucking dying. So we're doing what we can, but it ain't looking too goddamn good, I got to say. Uh, this this one has, the video has 249,000 views. You know that 249,000 of those views are people like, you got to watch this. You got to yeah. watch this one. If you'll watch also this. look down, they, they disabled the comments because <laughs> it just <laughs> seems so that. fucking disrespectful. The video does. You guys totally Bob vila this guy. If you look over here, Sharon is, is really trying to resuscitate this piece of shit. Sharon's using a stacked dado head cutter on his head. <laughs> Gonna make it easier for the autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> open, open up this section. Bring in some light. So another, <clears throat> another important note about all the injuries of our of our Dyatlov nine is that uh, for the most part, I, w- I would say eighty five to eighty percent of the injuries that they sustained. It's interesting to note that that they didn't have uh, superficial. Injuries to match those broken bones, the neck, all that stuff, right? And and according to doctors and and the coroner who did the autopsy, uh, this is not capable. A human being couldn't inflict these these wounds on on these individuals. But I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I believe I could break somebody's ribs or their arm or their or something without leaving any any skin damage. You know, if give me like a half frozen salmon. Like a good sized salmon, like a <laughs> uh, a sixteen pound salmon, 
and let it be a little bit floppy but still frozen, I could fuck somebody up with a half frozen salmon and not leave any. Like, <laughs> I could beat the shit out of somebody with a half frozen salmon. Well, also, I'm just impressed because I'm thinking now Kent is former military, has experience with many weapons. He chooses a half frozen salmon. Think, trying to think like a Russian man. I'm trying to think like a Russian. Yeah, they're like, pick a weapon that you can kill with and then eat. I'm trying to think of a weapon that I would have there on scene. They were laying in a creek. It's cold. I'm thinking salmon. I'm thinking salmon. Okay. It's a, it's a fit. I, I, I agree. And that's it. And, and, you know, we can, we can dabble real quick in some of the conspiracy theories around this, but it's not worth wasting too much time on because, uh, at the end of the day, I can give you 20 reasons why why each one of these theories isn't what happened. UFOs, obviously, you know, we're going to go to UFOs anytime we talk about anything uh, that that's unexplained. That's just people jump to UFOs. Interesting because another group that was hiking for sport, for another group that was on vacation, another group of Russian teens that was on vacation a few miles away uh, claimed that the night that the Dial, that this Dialov 9 uh, went missing, they saw lights in the sky orbs in the sky you know maybe that would explain why they cut out of the tent they were scared uh, but it, but it also doesn't answer a lot of questions like how did the the four in the in the ravine get so badly damaged i don't know maybe they just maybe they were like the test subjects that uh, the aliens weren't sure how soft and like not bounceable we are and they were like oh, we will just kick them out at 200 feet they will be fine <laughs> And they're like, splat. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> they, they do not bounce. But Meepsorp, we're still going 300 miles per hour. That's fine. They'll be fine. Jettison them. Try it one more time just to be sure. They're Slobodan. <laughs> Crush skull. Okay, yeah, we're de- it's it's definitely sure they do not bounce. <laughs> try oh, I, we have- try wadding them up like a piece of paper first. Just break some bones. Don't do any superficial damage. And then drop them out and in. <laughs> See if they, like, you know, smush, smush into the ground. Sir, all we have are two Yuri's left. <laughs> ah, great. Okay, go ahead and use one of the Yuri samples. It just lay them gently underneath the cedar tree. <laughs> <laughs> they back away slowly back into the ship. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I just had something. You said Yuri, and it got me thinking about one thing. What is the possibility... That Yuri number three didn't go back, but he was the one that actually did all this. Well, the, his tracks aren't accounted for. Oh, all right. See, that's the biggest, that's kind of like the, the theory killer in a lot of the, when it comes to the KGB or Yetis or the military or the Manzi tribe, there's not, there's just not Prince. There's not right. there's not footprints to match any of these theories. Huh. Now the now a lot of people and we'll just go ahead and get into another conspiracy theory of the Manzi tribe that was in Loka. First of all, they're not first off they're not known to be violent people at all. Period. Just not in their nature. And second mm-hmm. off, there's there's not prints for that. A lot of people go to Yetis. Had to be a Yeti, right? I fucking feel like you would notice a a, a four foot long footprint in the snow. And there's also that that little yeah. problem that Yetis don't exist. Like that whole part. Yeah, that yeah. we're pretty sure so far. Haven't found one. Then you go into the KGB. Same reason. Can't be that. No, no prints. 
uh, people point to a possible military accident, a uh, chemical bomb, a, a misfired bomb, something of the sort. Um, there's just no evidence to support any of this. There's there's no evidence to support any of this. It all falls under scrutiny. Any kind of further observation at all kind of m- makes it not possible. Um, and then there's also theories of the fire, which you brought up in the beginning of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a that's a good theory. I think. I think that of all these, it's it's it doesn't describe a lot. It it, it, it to a to a degree, it describes them leaving the tent and going over the hill, but it leaves a mm-hmm. lot unanswered. It leaves so much unanswered. Hmm. Some people yeah. have theorized that that they maybe they took drugs. They took mushrooms. You know, the Manzi tribes in the area are, are known for for taking magic mushrooms, and it's actually kind of funny the way that they discovered that the mushrooms that do grow that uh, that cause psychedelic effects are toxic to the human body. So what they do is they have reindeer eat these magic mushrooms, and and their systems. No. You, this is going where you think it's going. I'm looking at your face. Their no. their di- their dietary systems filter out the toxins, and then they eat the reindeer shit. And they get oh fucked my. up. <laughs> they get fucked up on that reindeer shit. That does not seem like a hygienic filtration system. I can think of ten ways to do it other than that. Wow. None of them involve eating shit. No. No, they don't. Hey, you know you know how that started. Is It started, they're like, hey, let's play a trick on Running Mountain. And they're like, hey, go eat that. It's got mushrooms in it. You'll get high. And then he actually did, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> he actually got high. Yeah, he got high. And he got they're addicted like, oh. to the shit. I wish we'd never got him, got him on the shit. On, the, <laughs> on that shit. He ends up moving to the outskirts of town and, you know. Spends all his money on a reindeer. Yeah. <laughs> so the last theory... And I think maybe for me personally, the one that and all of this bullshit holds the most weight, but even it's got its flaws, is what's called a Carmen Vortex, right? And this is this is proven, this is science, but the location of their tent on the mountainside was was prime real estate for the what what's in a, in an area that that a Carmen Vortex would not be unheard of. And what this means and a bunch of shit that I don't understand, but wind whips around the mountain in a certain way, creating a frequency that causes uh, in humans anxiety, panic, fear, stress, and almost hallucinations. Just this overwhelming sense of fear and horror. Um, it's like the brown noise, but with fear. You know what the brown noise is? Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like the brown noise, the one that makes you just poop your pants. Yeah, which they wish they had for their reindeer there, the manzi. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you buy a reindeer, it comes with the speaker. <laughs> just push this button here, sir, and you'll, see, and you'll be high in five minutes. <laughs> if you want it like full organic, you just st- you just lay underneath them and open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Slaps the back uh, of the reindeer. What's it going to take to get you into this reindeer today, sir? How about I throw just, in the speaker? <laughs> so that's it. You know, the Carmen Vortex, and they freaked out. They ended up beating the shit out of each other. Oh, it's it's important to note. Earlier I mentioned um, that there was radiation found in some of the clothing. Uh, there was radiation found in, to- in a total of three articles of clothing. All three of those articles of clothing belong to just... Two members of the party, which were Kolovatov and Kravonashenko, 
uh, both of which worked in in plants with nuclear weapons and uranium. Oh, okay. So, so that's not that odd. Okay, yeah, I was kind of holding out for like alien, you know, an alien ah gotcha Kent kind of ending, but okay, well, great. Yeah, now I have nothing to end with. <laughs> so the radiation can 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 maybe possibly be explained. Mm. People have brought up avalanche. Not the not the case. Not the case because the tent wasn't covered. The the tracks were still there, and also the the elevation, the slope of this mountain is not one that's that it's likely for there ever to be an avalanche in the first place. Yeah, I was going to say, looking at the pictures, it looks a little less steep than a average honey bun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bigger, but <laughs> and that's it. Up the end. Well, I feel less resolved. Uh, now for life. Yeah, well, that's what's frustrating about this case. Um, it's trying to put the puzzle pieces together, and it's one of those things where you'll think you've got it, and then you get to the last piece, and it just won't. Fit. It just won't go in there. It won't go uh, in there. It never adds up. Just like, uh, just like Ludmilla's eyes, not going back in. Not going back in. Not back. Well, shoot. Well, hey, thanks for telling me that story. I'll sleep better tonight. Yep. Good <laughs> night now. Good night. Well, hey, I'll, um, how about I call you tomorrow? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll be here. All right. Well, hugs. What? <laughs>